Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into our podcast, but we know you may have an idea for your own podcast and that's why we are recommending you go get Anchor. Mm-hmm. You can create your own podcast and then like maybe have us on as guests. You should definitely have us on. For oh, we're, we're, I just checked our calendar. We're busy, Ooh. Oh, but we're available on this day. We can pencil okay, we'll you be, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're we in. can do it. Okay, we, we it. said yes. Forget it. I don't like your ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anchor is the system we use and it's got a lot of cool tools. You can actually, it's kind of a one-stop shop place where you can go, you can record, edit everything, even implement songs from Spotify into your podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it the most, to be honest, is that it makes us money and I love money. And it also is free, which is kind of like, you know, you save money. It's like I think that's the biggest money. thing is like it's free. So you don't have to worry about like paying any kind of fee or signing up for thing. And they do everything for you. So you can go there. They will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places your family are going to ignore you on. So uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started for free. Mm-hmm. Did we mention it's free? Free and you make money. You're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Your family will ignore you. That's we're, true. It cuts to the core. We're not, we're not going to be on your podcast. Come on, kids, now gather around. Grab along and sit right down. What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire, now hit the ground. It's the campfire shit show. And now, your camp counselors, Bo Hufford and Mero Climo. How are you doing? Really happy and excited. Here we are again. I'm about to have... Can you believe we've made it this far and still we want to talk to each other? Yes. After so many fucking episodes. I never grow tired of you. Uh, me either. I was just testing the waters I to see if you did. I can't think of a time I've been really like over you. I really can't. I've been over you. I know you have, but I really can't think of I a think time. I think the grits. I was over you with the grits. Oh, yes. Yeah. When I was an hour late for yeah. really fucking good cheese grits. Thank Blame you, Blame it on the grits. Um... So today, I'm very excited, actually. There are very few times where the stars line up. I mean, although lately it seems like there's a new blood howling moon every other week. Some new celestial thing happening that everyone's talking about. It's like, did you see this super hyper blue yeah. moon? It's like, what? I don't are even you pay t- attention anymore. When I was a kid, it was like Haley's Comet came through. And it was like, you'll see that in 75 years. Yeah. Like, okay, that's a big deal, right? <laughs> right? Now it's like, a blue moon. oh, it's the second week of the month. You know what <laughs> moon that means? It's like, all right enough everyone's got t-shirts made of like <laughs> i saw the moon last night it's like get over yourself the little dipper yeah my god anyway things have aligned and yes. luckily we wrangled this motherfucker down right we've got the uh the, well you know why don't you introduce okay i'm gonna introduce I've, i was thinking about this before because i may have mentioned did you in the episode that we didn't already tape yet okay but okay so <laughs> it's Chris Cantori, yeah, Chris who I Cantori. work with on the morning show. Yeah, your your host, the host of the morning show on the 100.7 here in San Diego. Yes. But he's a famous. Well, hold on, let me let me pull that back. <laughs> let me pull that back. He's been a huge part of San Diego radio for the last twenty some years, right? And he was uh, on ninety one X KPRI ninety four nine, a whole bunch of things. Runs his U podcast network, which we are now on and part yeah, of. So we're yeah. super excited about so that. So excited for that. And hashtag grateful. We talk a lot about it's so funny because we talk Don't about say that ever again. Hashtag never Grateful. again. It's, sorry, it's the moon. It's the stars. Oh, it's the blue moon. We talk about um like going, you know, identifying a human being with their job as worth, and we talk all about right. that. So it's almost like today we are going to talk to Chris Cantori as like the human, and I'm almost more interested in him as like you know the the things behind the scenes almost than the actual like always i mean i for me when i watch i mean again when i watch a movie or something like that i always want to watch the after like what what happened what went into this what's the the commentary on this what's great about today's interview or the interview we're about to do sorry we haven't done it yet <laughs> Jeez, we were letting things out of the sleeping bag Soon here. we'll get a real um, radio professional <laughs> in. <laughs> uh no what i loved about this interview was like I really felt like I was getting something from him that I couldn't get anywhere else. Right. You know, you're not going to get this on the radio show. You're just never going to get these people uh, that you want to hear these stories from, like, like nestled into a an intimate moment that you don't get that on the radio. Yes. So I was so happy, or I'm going to be so happy once we interview <laughs> him. Uh, and behind the scenes, like, I really love working with Chris so much every day, and he is very respectful funny entertaining and i think a lot of people will ask me like are you guys friends are you guys whatever and i have like the utmost respect for him and 
I think he, especially working with him as a co-host, I he's very refreshing. And I think it's also rare for like, and uh, I'm not saying older, but like a you know for a, a white male in radio to let a female kind of like poke at him and kind of not make fun of him but in a loving way kind of like jab at him he's very good about that and I feel like on a daily basis there's really I'm surprised at how little ego he has because I can't I was just gonna say like coming into it not being obviously the co-host of his show and only knowing him through you and knowing him from radio and things like that here in town for so many years I mean I know that back when I was here in 98 I think 98 and 99 uh, he was on the radio then. Yeah. And yep. so uh, meeting him in person, uh, I would say the word that comes to mind is the dude is just humble. Yes. Very He's humble. super cool and chill and like easy to talk to and like doesn't have that air of attitude and negative energy of like you're nobody so you can't help me and I don't care. Right. And I can't think of a lot of like middle aged men in radio that would yeah. let like uh, especially a younger female. Kinda are like, we going to stroke this dude's cock so hard? I have to get... every morning. That's, how, that's the only way I wake up My at 6am. I know. Let's just get to the chase. Let's get in there. We're going into the sleeping bag this week. So get ready. Un- Wait. No, I already add the zipping sounds later. No, that wasn't my zipping sound. Oh, I'm so sorry. That? that was also um. I just now have a new thing that it helps me like uh, loosen my lips. Oh, and that's what you it's do. It's a radio technique. Can you do that it Chris again? Taught me. Go ahead. It sounds like a sleeping bag. So uh, don't play oh, this. Don't wait, play wait, the wait. sound here. Okay, don't play the sound. Okay, here. this is not the sleeping bag sound. This Go is that I'm just loosening my lips. Okay. You sound like you're you're playing the part of Sebastian in uh, Little Mermaid. He's like, book your leaps. Under the sea. Okay, we're about to go under the covers in the sleeping bag with Chris Cantori. And I was thinking about this one before, and I'm like, I'm going to talk, I'm going to introduce you as a human being rather than like, because I feel like you're like me where you're not, attachable to like Chris from this yeah or Cantori from this anymore yeah that's true no whatever you want to do I'm just a guest so I'm Good. not feeling like trust me I'm not like I'm just a guest oh my gosh it's so weird not to see you like cutting up any audio and like going to every yeah, a lot nah. of more set song and Suzanne Vega song and everything I'm good I'm just rolling <laughs> do you feel weird when it's just you and not like a board or anything like that behind you a little I do feel a little naked yeah oh my god he's exposed <laughs> That's good because he actually is physically naked too. So. <laughs> no, no, but I did just get out of the ocean. You did? Yeah. Did you go I, surfing? I did. And I'm just wearing shorts with no underwear and wow. and a t-shirt. Wow. I don't want to see it. No, I, I no. kind of do. It's like a car wreck. Getting right to it here. I want to look. Yeah. Nothing's going to come out. I don't really have much to come out. But. Well, this is really fun for me because these are my two favorite boys that I work with all the time. Oh, I love sweet you guys of you both. To say. Yeah. It's like a Simpsons episode where like Abu from the Quiggy Mart meets like Homer's proctologist or something. Like, worlds are wow. colliding. Yeah, <laughs> worlds are, and so thank you for being here. Of course. Of yeah. course. Obviously, I think you guys do rad stuff. Thank you. And yeah, we'll announce it now that we're on the U Network. Yeah, that's, and that's Y-E-W. Yeah, Y-E-W. It is. And we're so happy to have uh, to be part of it along with all the other fun, fun podcasts. Yeah, we're still obviously building out the platform and kind of we're in its, uh, you know, bringing you in at a very slow pace because we all just being a, you know, an independent thing, we all have all our different deals and Unfortunately, things get shelved yes. and you can't move things as fast as you want to sometimes, but we're slowly integrating the Campfire <laughs> SHT show. Yes, we're like the anal sex <laughs> of podcasts where you're slowly like. I was just going to say that you just described my entire sexual experience <laughs> yes. with every woman. <laughs> it's like it's slow. Sometimes it just takes a long time. <laughs> yeah. Stick with me. It's going to happen. That kind of thing. Or you could also call it Cantori time, or <laughs> which is akin to Ooh. Maui time. Oh. So I do... I do have my own time structure and stuff like that. But eventually it does get done. It does get done. And when it's done, everyone's usually stoked and proud of the uh, proud of the whatever we put together. Yeah. Okay. So how did there's so many things. So first off, how did the U Y E W network even begin? Like how did that start? That just started as a way for a couple of buddies, myself and just some friends in the community to start a platform where we can house all our stuff without having to put it under a, a media company or anything. You know, we knew that we didn't have the type of numbers like a, like a Rogan or a Corolla or a Mark Marin. We just wanted to keep it a, a real regional or just a, a little network within a group of, of friends. So that was kind of the, 
what the initial idea was, and we wanted to keep it under a theme of just lifestyle components that we're into here in, in San Diego and Southern California, specifically uh, surf, snow, skate, um, craft beer, cannabis, Mexican food, and music. Mm. So wow. I do are, at least one of those things. And yeah. then two people who are complete shit shows. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because Bo and I are like, I don't, I mean, Mexican food I really like. Well, the, who doesn't like Mexican The rest food. of it, yeah. Have it, you ever met someone who doesn't like Mexican food? Those people are just like. No, I haven't personally. They're serial yeah. killers. Yeah, I That's haven't. But uh, no, as it relates to you guys, you know, and the whole platform's just all tongue in cheek, you know, it's, yeah. it's, we don't take ourselves seriously and. We, we want to develop our voice over time and the voice that you guys have, you know, the two of you have with your show is, is aligned to our voice. You know, you don't take yourselves too seriously and it's real authentic talk. I mean, the last post we put up was something about the shark sighting in La Jolla. Just like, hey, it's shark advisory in La Jolla. Just to let you know, there are sharks in the ocean. <laughs> you know, and that was the post. And Still there. That seems like the onion. Like, yeah, that's like the onion it's kind of post. like, and yeah. we're trying to take it more in that direction. Yeah. In, in within those areas, right? Because uh, people need more of that. We need we need a little bit more like levity, uh, relatable comedy that yes. is like local. Yeah to, yeah, to to your ideas, you know. Because here's my thing too. I feel like um, San Diego doesn't have. I haven't seen like the best sense of humor about like San Diegans have about right. themselves, and I feel like it's good when we could laugh at ourselves and like. I have, agree you with know, that. Do you, so you've been like a forever person here. Do you? Well, I think, yeah, I think people here take themselves very seriously. I yeah. Mean, I think that's, that has to do with the fact that we're, we're all working so hard and struggling so hard to, to coexist in this town that, you know, that's, that's, that's real. You know, when the struggle is real, you know, real can also equate to, to serious you know yeah. like hey this is real the struggle's real and this is real shit and therefore life is serious and i'm going to take myself very seriously and uh, i've fallen down that road a million times uh man just you know it's seasonal for me i used to say oh you know it's it was something i did more when i was younger that's not true you know <laughs> that's not true I've, I've taken myself too seriously in my 40s you know and I'm 49 now, which blows my my mind. Do you feel 49? Or what age do you feel? I don't feel 49. It's just a number, but it's a real number. I feel, I've always felt stuck, kind of stuck in my late 20s, early 30s. I would say that that's how I feel too. Really? Yeah. I'm only reminded that I'm not that when something isn't working correctly. Like you get up and I get my back hurts a little bit from doing something or like I throw a football for a day and I'm like, oh, geez, the next four days I'm like, okay, I'm seriously not 26 or 30. See, it doesn't affect me that way. It's just like I just got done, as we, you know, I said surfing and, you know, I'll, I'll stop sometimes and just look up and whoever i'm whatever whatever i'm talking to prince you yeah know, what Oprah, it could be prince yeah. i mean yeah. seriously <laughs> I'll mufasa just, i think it's i'll mufasa. just say thank you to whatever i'm saying thank you to for giving me the ability to do this to have the lung capacity to surf to hmm. have the stamina the strength so yeah yeah i do feel the aches and pains but when i say the 49 part it's more related to just my peers and just knowing people who are dealing in you know with illness and stuff because yeah. we are hitting that age and that could be a mind fuck sometimes yeah. when you don't feel that age but real shit is happening to to your peers what was the age that you realized you're gonna die like that mortality oh gosh six or seven <laughs> yeah. really yeah it didn't yeah. hit me till much later like no, 30. i used to think really? about i yeah. used to think about life and death all the time as a kid really yeah i have a profound memory of being like 15 16 years old and getting something out of a cupboard and getting lost in thought and really questioning my existence and if all the shit was real like if my parents were real if my friends were real was this cupboard narnia no (laughs) no there wasn't a lion a witch or a wardrobe or anything weird it was just i just remember being in my house and getting something out like a cup and then just thinking is this for real? Like, is this all a joke? You know, am I the only one that's in this thing? And are all these people side players, like actors and stuff? Yeah, like the Truman Show yeah. kind of thing. Kind of. I felt that way about flying when I was younger. I may have talked about this idea, but I used to think when you went to the airport and you took off, 
however long the flight was, was how long it took to change everything on land <laughs> in the same space mm. to look like another space. So, like, if you're going to Florida, it takes, you know, four hours. Yeah. It takes four hours to make Ohio, which is where I'm from, make Ohio look like Florida. Sure. That's very what a, what a What a weird idea. And very much like, yeah, I'm I never the center went there. of the universe. You know? <laughs> no, time travel, or uh, air travel always trips me out. Yeah. And uh, just the movement of time trips me out. And no question. I think you're like me where we both have anxiety stuff in the past. And like a side cousin of that is what you're kind of describing, this depersonalization almost of like what's real, are things mm-hmm. even real? And it's that like, I don't know, I think people that have that can also sometimes access a little bit of like that higher consciousness too because not yeah. in like a foofy way, but just in a way where when you're able to like separate out yourself, then you can observe what's happening yes. from all of But then I also feel like too, when I've had like my most severe panic attacks, usually followed by that is like a day or two of depersonalization where like mm. nothing seems like everyone just seems like a Muppet. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That I can't. That it, this was, <laughs> I'm totally alone. <laughs> no, no, no. And I would tell you if I could relate to that, I can't, <laughs> I really can't, but I, I definitely can relate to questioning, you know, my existence at an early age and death and life. And as it relates to death, I've always had a, Oh man, do I fear? And I've always feared death. I I, I hate it about me. I really do. It's something. Really? That I, yeah, it's something that I've uh, I'm still trying to work on. But I've always been scared of death. That's why anytime I've been in therapy and stuff, anytime a therapist has asked me if I had suicidal thoughts, I'm like, no, I'm too scared of dying to ever commit <laughs> suicide. And that's the God's honest truth. And I can I'm imagine too scared of death to ever take my own life. Yeah. Are you, are you religious? Would you say that you have faith? I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I am. I am. Yeah. It's um you you answer that like you just realized that right now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's complicated. That's why. Okay. You're Jewish. Yeah. Welcome. No, <laughs> I, knew I it. I'm not Jewish and I was born and raised Catholic. Oh. But I'm not a practicing Catholic, but when it comes to my guilt and my, you know, con- you know when it comes to death and my how I do fear it and have so many questions. It is definitely related to my Catholic upbringing. Hmm. Hmm. I think that's so interesting. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I was going to say, it probably brings a new fear of death when you are a father, or you have children, because then it's this, like, I know for me, if I was to become a parent, I would have this fear of like, if I'm gone, who's going to take yes. care of them or it adds a different dynamic and level for sure. But you know, at first I didn't know what it was because at first and it is related to anxiety, too. You know, at the end of the day, when I was in my, you know, when I was a kid, I, I have, you know, these distinct memories of having, you know, panic attacks or, you know, anxious episodes when I was a kid. But you're a kid and you don't know what that shit yeah. is. And on top of that, it was during a time where, you know, no one talked about mental health. And if you heard somebody was taking a pharmaceutical that person was written off as friggin' crazy. Right. right. They were crazy pills. You yeah. took Prozac, straight up, you were crazy. Yeah. And that was the time that I was growing up in. So, you know, you were really, really trying to hide it at that time. And I didn't know what it was because it was something that was never talked about in my home. So when I was, you know, in my 20s, getting out of college and dealing with, with chest pains and thinking I was having a heart attack and having a hard time, you know, focusing and feeling like the world was crushing in on me. I thought I was having cardiovascular issues <laughs> and going to every cardio. I had, that too. I had to wear a heart box because I have like, uh, they found I out that too. I had mitral valve prolapse. I have mitral <laughs> valve prolapse. <laughs> what? And I had to walk around with a heart monitor just so they could monitor and see where my heart was acting up. Which I wonder, like it's a chicken and the egg because I honestly wonder if something like mitral valve prolapse uh a symptom of that is anxiety too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, this- it was all this crazy shit. So I have mitral valve MVP, mitral valve prolapse. <laughs> like, yeah. And on top of that, later in life, I had an episode where I uh, fainted at a movie theater and they ended up doing more things on my heart. And I found out that I had a hole in my heart between my left and right ventricle, very small, huh. but it was something that had to be monitored over time. Now, at the end of the day, it was anxiety but there were physical things going on too, but uh, 
Yeah, it was certainly anxiety based. So I fainted in a movie theater once as well, but it was just because I'd seen House Guest with Sinbad and Phil Hartman. <laughs> it was just that, and bad. it was just that, and I was like, I didn't even go. I to the remember hospital. the movie I was at. It was me, myself, Irene. Oh, Irene. really? Yeah. <laughs> it was at Hazard Center, and my wife and I had just started dating, and we went for Thai food, and I think I just had a bad reaction to the Thai food at the end of the day. But I went to the bathroom and everything went in slow motion and I fainted. And I remember coming to with my mouth pressed against the tile on the bathroom oh, floor. That would give me an anxiety a, attack. In a pile of drool. Oh. And like drunken noodles. Sure and that was just, drool. just right, just on the floor. I came to after being knocked out and stumbled into the theater. And it was like it was like Rocky calling Adrian. I was like, hello, hello, <laughs> looking for her in the theater and just stumbling around. And I fell on a guy and he was ready to punch me. And my wife was her girlfriend at the time was just like, no, 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 it's OK. It's OK. Something's wrong. And then the ER came or the ambulance came. Inside they, the theater still. Oh, yeah. They stopped the movie? Yeah, the whole bit. No, no, no. They pulled dates? me. They pulled me. This is like our third or fourth day. Oh, I love they it. pulled me out of the theater. No, the movie kept going. They pulled me out of the theater. Then the ambulance came, threw me on the thing. They took me up in the ambulance. And on the way there, they're checking me in. And the whole, wait, you're not Chris Cantori from 91X, are you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's me. And then they start joking about that, like how I fainted at the theater. Oh. I shit myself in the, in the ambulance. And then I started feeling better. And they <laughs> hydrated me and off I went. And they're like, we really love when you play. But during that time... I they sent me into testing to make sure it was not in case it wasn't the Thai food maybe it was something else something worse yeah and they ch tested my heart and then they found out that I had a hole in my heart <laughs> but it wasn't related to the fucking episode oh my yeah. god and, and knowing your wife now too that's just such a funny I can see her just like oh. what is this guy you know what and, the f <laughs> I know and then her being like yep that that it was like a, a, a premonition for like what was to come almost no question let me ask you did you ever go back and see the movie movie in full oh i did okay and okay. i still love that it's i i love all those fairly brother movies yeah for the most part so some as someone that you know deals with anxiety do you, was there any part of you that you think you chose radio because it it i don't know i mean does it cause you anxiety at all or not really because i would almost think someone that suffers from anxiety would stay far away so interesting from now i've i've asked myself that dozens of times because it really is kind of like the worst profession to get into right. when you have what I have. And I've asked myself that, and I really don't have the answer to it. I really, truly don't, other than I think I operate best as far as you know, when I'm in a creative space, I really operate best when I have a gun to my head, whether it's on mic, you know, on the radio, or doing a stage announcement. I just enter this fearless space and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like the anxiety fighting against itself and it right. wins. It's just this weird friggin' war that I get into with myself where I can overcome it. And you're hmm. like freakishly gifted. I mean that from someone that's been working with you for months. I think also maybe there's like some, well, we talk about like the higher element of kind of, you don't have a choice. You're going to do it because you're, you have this gift and Maybe it's like your purpose a little bit, and no, I'm not saying like radio. Yeah, I don't, that's yeah, I don't even know how to respond. Yeah, I, I, I was you gonna say I mean? that when it seems like it seems like radio, and especially that. radio in the way that uh, that you are a host of, of the morning show, right? Uh, it seems like it's almost like therapy in mm -hmm. a way, and it, yeah. I, I would imagine myself, and maybe that's why this podcast is, exists, is because I think it kind of feels like I can get all my ideas and thoughts out there. Do you feel like you can touch that deeply on no. radio? It's kind of like you have to hold back. There was a time back. when I did, but that was also during a time when I was self-important and thought I was important and special and mm -hmm. like, oh, I was a voice. I never thought like I was a voice of a generation. I'm saying that as a joke, but <laughs> you know, I thought I had this definitive or important voice. No, I don't feel that way anymore. I just feel, I man, it's weird. I feel like. I feel like I'm lucky to have the platform and I'm stoked to do what I do. But when I when it comes to it, it's it's a weird dynamic that I really can't explain because I am at war with it. I swear it's just and, and Meryl sees it every day. You yeah. know, I I can um, I, I can definitely get into situations where my anxiety does take over and I can just, you know, I'll have to stop and I'll just have to breathe because when I get in that space, it does sometimes bring out 
the beast, mm-hmm. you know? And when I'm not working in that space, I can keep that beast totally tame. Like, it's tame right now. Like, you know, like we're chilling. Just, and, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. surfed. And, you know, when I'm doing my own when I'm doing my own thing and doing my you thing and doing my blogging and stuff, I can keep myself in a pretty safe place. But that's been the biggest thing about this job is I'm throwing myself back into a place that challenges my mental health. Okay. Straight up. So that being said, have you been, you said kind of like, it's like having a gun to your head and that's what it takes for you to be the most creative. That's what you enjoy. I tend to be the most creative creative when yeah. I'm in that place for some reason it, something comes alive that I can't explain I really can't I understand that I totally understand that being a creative person as well I have to be thrown into that sort of that lion's den a little bit yes but let me ask you has there been a time when you're especially radio because it's live like a lot of times like when you're filming a movie when you're recording an album and these things like that it's not live right but when you're on radio for the most part, you're a couple seconds ahead, but yes, like it's live. It's live. And if shit no, goes all, all to hell. There's something there. Right. So has there been a time that you can think of where shit just went to hell completely? Yeah, early in my career. I mean, since I've worked with Merrill, there have been days where shit just goes stupid, you know, like equipment and stuff. Right. Well, we laugh there. about it. Well, I'll be ta- I was talking the other day, and as we were talking my microphone just completely fell <laughs> and like but that's the kind of thing that you're such a professional too that we just laugh at each other yeah, and we know I just how don't to carry even care. on yeah but there was a time where i would get bent out but out of shape but it's weird no i'm so it's weird because and that's the dichotomy and why it's such a friggin' trip is because i'm so incredibly comfortable in the space but every time I'm on the mic, I'm never comfortable. Hmm. I mean, how do you explain that? Right. You know what I mean? It's like anytime I'm on the mic, it's like, no, am I comfortable? Hell no. Hell no. I, it's on, man. It's that gun to the head feeling. Huh. But at the same time, I'm super comfortable in the space. Where I wonder how many uh, like jobs people have, how many professions they have that are like that. Yeah, I don't. the only thing I can think of, and I'm certainly not comparing myself to it, I'm only... Re- comparing it based on podcasts I've listened to that have been hosted by Mark Marin talking to comedians, mm. which is, it sounds a little bit like stand-up comedy when you go out there and you're just, you're hanging by your balls and you come alive. Yeah. Yes. You make it through to come out on top to be like, holy fuck, that was amazing. Right. Yeah. And then that seems like a, its own drug. Right. Its own it's fucking drug. adrenaline drug. It's a drug. No, there's no question where... When we're done, and Meryl will attest, when we're off the air, I shut down. Really? Even when we're, yeah, I and shut down. And that's when down. we have to go in meetings. It's so it's so funny, too, with the way it's structured. It's like we have our normal show, then we go into a, a literal like conference meeting, and we love everyone that we work with, but that's the time that they pick apart, like, you did this, you talked about this, good job, bad job, you know, and so it's way, wow. from what I've heard and what I know, yeah. it's way kinder than like any oh, other gosh, yeah. station on, ra- on, on radio, but it definitely is the time when, like, I feel brain dead, too, and I can't even imagine how you feel. Do you guys get, I'm sorry, just switch gears, yeah. but also on the same thing. Do you guys get a lot of notes where it's like you get done, the show is over, you've talked and people go, you shouldn't have said this, you should say that, or is it more like... No, that was early in my career. Really? And, and there are certainly, I say early in my career, I've dealt with it the last 10 years. It's why I've been, in some cases, in and out of jobs, in other cases, jobs have dissolved, where it's like, you know what, it's not a bad thing, because I was being so micromanaged, I mean... I work, I've worked a job within the last 10 years where I had an owner of a station telling me he wanted me to write out everything I was oh, saying no. before I went on the air. No. Huh? Yeah. And not only that, to cross out the word, to write it out, and then before I went on the air, to cross out the words that didn't need to be in there. <laughs> so it would be like, cross out the words that didn't need to be in there. I wouldn't have any words left. Yeah, I'm just (laughs) trying to use that sentence and say, how would you say, cross out the words that don't need, that didn't need to be, that don't need to be in there. What was his point? Just to cross words out, not in there. You know, I don't, just brevity, the brevity and keeping things moving and not using extra words and just. That that seems like such a waste of your creative time to be doing something like that. Well, you would, yeah. But to uh, to programmers and where radio has been and in some cases is and, you know, it's, you know, it's they, they hold you to that stuff. And that's why there are some people and God bless them that are capable of, you know, creating and 
and coexisting in that space. But if I'm being micromanaged like that, no, I, I don't do well in it. I never yeah. have. And I've been called everything from unmanageable because of it. <laughs> To, oh god that sounds yes. like a good like a podcast name like cantori is unmanageable or something that like is that. A great i like that name. where it's yeah. like you were able to do everything that you're not able to do on like terrestrial radio yeah but it's like it's nothing crazy it's yeah i'm unmanageable because i want to talk about real life on the right. air of course you know or i, I want to be what able I, I think to, that's why podcasts exist in a sense like uh-huh. i completely agree you can concentrate on these things that normally people wouldn't have the patience for on a radio correct yeah you can right. choose the subject you want to listen to kind of thing. or just keep it tight and bright and i understand that i do and i again i'm so i for those who are on the air that can do that stuff and play by the rules that are set to the you know set by their program directors you know if they're put in those boxes and they're able to play in those boxes and be positive and really enjoy going to work every day (laughs) yeah man i commend them i really truly do and i and i get down on myself you know sometimes i wish i could be that person i wish i was that person and that could eat that shit sandwich with a smile it's a (laughs) quote that's been you know told to me and I can't. I can't. Yeah. I'm a person who wears his emotions on his sleeve. I've always been that person since I was a kid. And I'm like, what, I'm going to change at 49 years old? So how many years have you been in radio? On and off since I was 23. Okay. And so you're 49 now. Yeah. And so you've been a major, especially a major role here in San Diego as a voice. Because when I tell people that we're working with you, they're like, oh, I know the guy. Yeah, he's been here. He's been a major voice of the city for such a long time. Because of that, because you're on the morning show. And uh, just just to interject, and I hope I don't sure. throw you off, I swear to God, and I'm not saying this to be humble or anything, I don't even look at, and that just doesn't even go through my head, just for what it's worth. Okay, good. Wait, just and I was going to say, <laughs> and for what it's worth, I love this, how uh, one of the things that you did when you first started off is they would they used to fax requests yeah. to radio. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like it's so funny that Cantor used to be the one that would like take the, the facts faxes. and then tell the the djs at the time the jocks what, what song people in. would request isn't that so funny yeah. that's crazy <laughs> yeah. so, so you, i'm sorry yeah, yeah. No, no, oh, no, no, a, i was just going to ask you after so many years of being a, a major role in radio here sure. in the city you've obviously interviewed lots of famous and important people is there somebody that stands out as the person you were like wow holy shit this is this is someone i can't believe i'm interviewing yeah that that's you too always really you know, yeah no question. That was more recently, too, where I went up and uh, interviewed them when I was at KPRI. And yeah, that was that was next that was just level. like a moment where yeah. you're like, holy fuck. Yeah, that was next level for sure. Just because they're bigger than life and their operations bigger than life. It was like you were meeting the president. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just literally they had so much security, so many handlers that were watching and monitoring every move, every word that's being said. That it was pretty intense, you know. It was just, yeah. it was heavy, <clears throat> but at the same time, the guys were so friggin' cool that it just made it just kind of a mind fuck, to tell you the truth. Because really? they were so, they were so cool, yet the environment was so not cool. And did you have already like for interviews like that? Did you pre-write your questions, or were you just like, I know what I want to ask Bono when I have the chance? Yeah, it's a good question. No, in that case. I probably pulled the standard Cantori and just rolled with Right, it. and I was going to say, too, you're one of, and I know I'm annoyingly paying you compliments, but I'm going to do it, so whatever, get over it. Uh, you're one of the best people, probably, if not the best, that I've seen that in the moment, like, even just today, we talked to someone that won a spelling bee, someone that euthanized a mountain lion, you know, and so it, that really is a skill in and of itself to be able to, like, without having a personal attachment to someone or right. something, to connect with them, ask them questions. I'm definitely seeing how crazy that is, and I was telling Bo before you came, that I witnessed the shit show moment where we had the FBI on and you went deaf a few minutes before oh, the interview. Gosh. Remember that? That's right. And it is just, and I, I was just feeling for you cause I'm like, it's hard enough to do it. But then when you're having something like so major and that no one would ever know. Yeah. My ear still hurts from that. I swear to you. Something popped on the something. Yeah. We were just about to interview the FBI yeah. <laughs> and something happened where, the uh, the level on the headphone jack was all the way raised, and the second I turned the mic on, it picked up the headphone, and I just uh, got that scorch, that just screeching sound right in my left e- or right ear, which is my ear where I always wear my headphones, 
and uh, I couldn't hear out of it for about scared the shit out of me. I st- I did have a panic attack. I started sweating and getting really nervous. And, and there's like, like three oh special God. officers sitting, were, yeah, looking at us. people <laughs> right across. <laughs> the FBI agents. And, um, I, and because it's live, there's no like, oh, look, give me a half an hour. We're going to get to this. Well, we were like, about to tape. We were about yeah, to tape. Yeah, we were yeah. about to tape it. But no, there was no give me a half hour. Definitely, we had to push this thing through. <laughs> I already needed to get out of the building. And yeah, just kind of dealt with it. And it's weird. Like I said, it's still... It's a little psycho, you know, kind of like I'm thinking about it and now it's starting to hurt. You're psychosomatic, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think <laughs> too, like, do you feel like uh, <clears throat> that took years of just training to be like you're focused and in the moment? Or And I know also like I'm sure surfing hurts, helps with that, helps with that, not hurts it, but helps with like staying literally in the moment. But yeah. I think like also when you started your radio career, were you thrown way more? It's a good question. Um no, and I think I think a little, I think a big, um, I think a big misconception. Yeah, I think like I made a, a joke, like I said, you know, I think I pulled a you know standard cantor and just rolled. With, you know, I'm I'm kidding because I think that I give an impression that I'm unprepped. That you just roll up and yes. are unprepared. And yes. stuff. but I see that it's completely different. But I know what's up. And I've done my research for the most part, but no, do I like going with notes? I don't. I don't. It puts, I mean, I might write a bullet point so I don't forget something, but going just with a premeditate, just, yeah, to answer your question, I would always go in. I had a trick. I did have a trick early on that I don't know if somebody, man, I would love to give credit to somebody for it. It was just, I always, I always remember listening to the radio and never understood why people could never have personal connections or always had a hard time having personal connections with their guests on mic. I never understood that when I would listen to the radio. So I always wanted to, I always made sure that I had some personal connection with the artist or with the interview subject before it would always be the way I would open the thing. Like I would always open up with a personal connection because I felt like shit it's going to really take them take them off there you know if they're coming in with some ego or some attitude or some something that's surrounding them that's you know shitty that if i go straight and hit them on a personal note yeah it's going to disarm them right and it's different so, than like the eight under, other interviews they did they did like that exactly morning right where it's yeah. just right. like hey you're in here how's the tour going or tell me about the new record or you're in here right now <laughs> so it's like for example I remember when I interviewed Stone Temple Pilots, and I'm a huge, you know, I was a big, especially back in the 90s, STP fan from listening to them on the radio. And right before they came in, I remember my buddy Stefan had told me that he was at the beach on the 4th of July and saw all them partying and got a 12-pack of beer from one of the DeLeo brothers. So <laughs> right when they showed up or we hit the mics, I just said, hey, thanks for the beer. And they're like, huh? I'm like, yeah, 4th of July, you tossed me and my homie a 12-pack of Heineken. <laughs> They're like, no way! That was cute. And right, and then now they're your friends. Boom! Then, yeah, Completely yeah, yeah. disarmed. But I wasn't there on the 4th of July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also told uh, Billy Corgan that my uncle ran a liquor store that he used to go to as a kid. <laughs> but it wasn't my uncle. It was my friend Brad's uncle, Frank. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> because but they're I like, oh, you're him. a friend, and you know me in another exactly. way other it's than like, Yeah, this. I don't. I don't care that you're a rock star. I'm going to disarm you and say something about your childhood. I'm going to say something about you hang with your families and giving my buddy beer on the 4th of July. Yeah. Because that, you can't be a dick around. Has there been someone that you tried that with? I mean, honestly. And it doesn't work. Yeah, I I want to know, like, has there been, like, I don't even know if you could say this because you're still on the radio. No, I don't care. But, like, is there been somebody you're just like, holy fuck, that was a mess. I I really didn't like that person. Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven. No question. Really? Yeah, he was a very mean man. Really? Yeah, very mean man. And and was he doing like a comedy? What was he promoting? He was calling in promoting uh. a, promoting a movie. He was just a dick. Just a dick. I remember him being a dick. I remember Mike Myers, believe it or not. No. I do I do believe that. My I swear to God. I do really? believe that. I swear to God. I remember he wasn't as cool as I thought he was gonna be, and I was like, Oh shit. I would be yeah. so sad about that one. I really I've heard that a lot about him. And I really tried to warm him up using that tactic I told you guys about. And that could have been my mistake is I was trying to warm him up by telling him about my 
affection and love for Chris Farley. Now, it's not like it was a too soon moment, like it had happened like days before. Right. right. But it was obvious he did not want to talk about Chris Farley. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. And then I pivoted. And from that point forward, it was just, yeah, it was soft. But that, you know, I say all this stuff. And these guys are doing, you know, press circuits around the country. Right. Answering the same bullshit questions. And talking to asshole DJs who are assholes and shitheads and trying to sound like shock jocks and all that stuff. So they could be like, oh, here we go. Another Howard Stern wannabe bringing up Farley or, you know, Piven. I remember even the thing that set Piven off was me talking about the wig that he was wearing in the movie that he was in. And I was like, dude, that's the most awesome piece. And he's like, what are you saying? I wear a wig? And I'm like, no, no. He's like, yeah, yeah. It's easy for you to say, yeah. Tell me about your hairline. What's your hairline look like right now? Oh, my God. I picture him in like an L.A. mansion, like oh, he was in a robe a to, talking to you on the phone. But, you know, maybe the guys before me were a dick. You know? so I don't know. Yeah, I you really never know. don't. I really don't judge people. And when it comes to doing interviews now, you know, it's just so in and out. And I don't I don't know. I don't think much of it. I just, but to answer your question, you know, yeah, I, I try to go in with like a, hey, let's just roll. But I, I do know what I'm doing when I go in. I know I'm going to have an open. I know I'm going to have a middle and I know I'm going to have an out. I look at everything I do like a three act structure and kind of like a movie <laughs> thing because I wanted to be a screenwriter. So I'm like, All did right. you? Oh, yeah. That oh. was my whole bit. So I'm like, okay, you know, let's start the, let's start the screenplay. It's, you know, the intro. Now let's talk about the meat and we need a good ending and we're out. You know, and then I also try to recycle David Letterman tactics, which I always learned when I was a kid because I was a huge and still am Letterman fan, which is if he fucks up, he always recycles the fuck up. So he'll just keep recycling the fuck up until <laughs> at the end. So like that's say, say goodbye to your wig for me or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it'd be yeah. like, you know, just something like uh, you're on the air and you're just saying, yeah, and coming up, we're going to have tickets to see and we're really giving away tickets to Hart and Joan Jett and... I'll say, yeah, we're giving away tickets to 311 or 311. Where that, where did that come from? No, Hart and Joan Jett. And so what up, Meryl? And we'll have our conversation. And at the end of the conversation, I'll say, all right, coming up, 311 tickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's, and I yeah. learned that from Letterman. So, yeah. And that's the thing with, you know, I love Letterman and I love late night comedians and stuff. And I've always idolized those folks. And Did you grow up on anybody specifically? Letterman. Yeah. yeah, Letterman. Just like Kimmel, too. Like, Kimmel's awesome, but Kimmel's just Letterman. You know, Kimmel's yeah. doing Letterman. I love, yeah. I love Kimmel, and that's not a, that's not a you know, slap at Kimmel or anything. Right. And the other she's doing the Letterman show. What I've noticed, too, which I brought up to you, is that, and I know we're on a smaller scale than that, but these guys, the hosts, have a team of writers. And yeah. what I'm seeing now is that, do any radio shows have no. a team of writers? So that's Stern, different. So it's, Stern does. Oh, he does. Oh gosh, really? Yeah. Like researchers or oh, actual? Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Really? Oh okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the other thing too is it's weird to be on a show where you're the one performing, but then you're also the one writing the content, coming up with the content. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, Stern's a preparing. Obviously, he just released a book about him preparing for his own interviews. Mm. But I mean, you used to listen to Stern, so I'm saying that you know. I remember hearing Stern on the air and you could hear back in the day before computers or, you know, devices. I remember you would hear Jackie, the joke man, literally writing. You'd hear him scratching notes and passing paper to really? Stern. And then Stern would say something funny. So, oh. yeah, there, there's definitely been that element. But for what we do in short bites and stuff like that, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I look at what we do as a dime a dozen, yeah. I hate to say. Aww. It's just like, in, in terms of... There's, you know, we're, you're awesome. And I think we're great at what we do, but yeah. there's a lot of people out there doing, yes. it, you know, I was just going to say too, like, uh, sometimes our, our producer, t- producer, Ted, who's awesome. Well, he'll help us, but like something <laughs> like the American comedy company, we got it wrong on like day one, like Ted wrote some, it spelled wrong or something. And then it's so funny. Cause now every time I do it in a different form, now it's like the American comedy co like, it's so funny how these things get like wrong once. And yep. then it's like, they have like an energy to them that That's then they are always ready. You. Have you found that too? That like, if you tend to trip up on something, on radio that it tends to kind of be like a sticking thing until you smooth it out or like you're just kind of mm. I remember especially early in my career really challenging myself saying I wonder if I can get through a break without stumbling huh. can I get through an entire break whether it was 15 seconds 30 seconds 60 seconds or 
you know, three minutes without stumbling. And I remember I could never do it. I would stumble every friggin' time. And the second I stopped caring is when I stopped. You know, really? and even if I stumble now, I just don't care. You know, I really <laughs> yeah. just, it's just one of those either. things. Yeah. Do you so, have fun? Oh yeah, yeah, I do. I do because I do love doing a show. It's it, the older I get though, it's definitely takes a lot of energy and you know, radio isn't what it, you, you know, I'm saying this not in a, and I've definitely, I've said stuff in the past that I do regret when it comes to saying negative things about radio because radio has been very, you know, I, I, I even saw a guy in the water today, some dude with a friggin' long ass beard. He's a <laughs> long boarder who makes his own fins. And he was like, Hey, how's the radio business going? I'm like, good man. You know, good to be employed. He's like, tough fucking business dude tough fucking business and then he paddled away he like he flipped his beard at you i mean seriously and i'm like yeah you're right you know and i think it's tough because i do love doing a show but it's really hard because it does it does take a toll on your physical and your mental health i do believe that i don't think it's normal to wake up at the crack ass of dawn you know in the dark and, you know, you are, you know, I feel my blood pressure go up when I'm on the air. You're, you know, you're performing. The lights sure. are on. And you know that people are listening. And you, you know people you know are it. listening, you know. And, you know, so for me, I don't know. I, I do like, I love doing it. But I also know that there's way, there's more to life than just radio. Sure. And there used to be a time where I would define my life by radio. Yeah. Define my day by, hey, how good was my radio show? If I had a good radio show, I had a good day. If oh I had my a bad gosh. radio, yeah. I swear to really? God. Really? That's so funny. Yeah. I swear, it's embarrassing to think about. Yeah. But I really used to really put my, really base my existence on my radio career and my salary and how I was doing and ratings and, oh, God, I think back at that stuff. I'm <laughs> gross. <laughs> no, I think uh, that's, you, that's standard for that time. Uh, do you find, I mean, it has, is there, is it hard for you in public? Because obviously people recognize you. You just said somebody, you're just in the fucking water, right? right? And somebody's like, oh, how's the radio business? Like, do you get that a lot? Because you've been in San Diego and on radio for 20-some some years, right? Yeah, but I can answer that. I can say confidently I do. But I could also say conf as confidently, I swear to you, maybe I'm, I'm sure I'm in this, you could say, and, and Meryl's even said there's been times where maybe I'm in my own bubble or my own world, but I don't, I don't look at myself any, I swear to God, I, let me give you an example. I go to the baseball, my favorite thing to do is, you, you know from working with me, go into my kids' Little League games and being involved with that team. It's my social environment. And a lot of it is it's my friend, me and my friend Russ, but it's also, you know, Coach Izzy, Nico, all the, it's all these Mexican dudes who are old school Mexican guys. They're making carne asada after the games, playing this old Takati music, like <laughs> stuff I've never heard before. And it's just the greatest because I just, I feel, and that's why I love surfing. It's I don't look at myself that way as this guy yeah. who's been on the air for 25 right. years or something special. It makes me so friggin' uncomfortable mm. that I'm so much more comfortable around, you know, people of mixed race or, you know, just people. Yeah, I don't Where know it's how to It's not a big deal. You're just a human. Yeah. And you're not, like, I have someone... more. Yeah, it's so, in it's so interesting. You know, I don't know how to really well, explain That's our it. alarm for our conference call. I'll turn it off. Oh, we'll is tell, it? I'll tell Ted. We don't, oh, that's so we have, a, we have a daily. Um, I was going to say, too, it's. Wait, let me swipe up. Oh, yeah. Not on Tinder. If you can them. understand how to use that pixel. I know. I thought oh that gosh. was your chime. My no. pixel. Like, <laughs> Pantori awesome loves my chimes. pixel. I was going to say there was a radio host back in Toledo, Ohio, 92.5 KISS FM. And it was uh, Denny Schaefer, I think was his name. <laughs> yeah. And I remember uh, feeling like he was the most like famous person I could possibly have met at the time. And so there is this thing, especially when you're a younger person, dude, I felt that way about radio people yeah. too. And you're just, I'm talking like Toledo, Ohio. And like, I remember meeting him and being like, Whoa, that's fucking this guy. Oh my God. And so there must be those moments when you're out, like trying to pick out the right melon and you're like, okay, this guy's staring at me. Like he knows me and like, yeah, but it's always, I'm always cool with it. Like I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Like, I get that, but I just, to a fault, I just don't think I'm special. Sure. So no, I, it's I think to that's a fault great. At times I think that's great. Because but I'm too, as Merrill would say, you know, <laughs> knows I'm too hard on myself. Yeah. So it's actually to a fault maybe, but yeah. 
no, and I'm totally kind and totally stoked to meet people, but now nah, it's just kind of like, well, whatever. Yeah, also, your it, people are so, his people are so nice, too. That's the thing that I've realized is, like, for the most part, the people that call in or come to the events and connect with us are are really cool, nice people. And I think yeah. that's also because of, like, what you preach and what you put out there. Nice people are going to connect with it, rather than I could see if you were this, like, tumultuous, really, um, you know, like, kind of negative person, you'd probably have that reflected back I've seen, yeah but i've gotten all sides before i I'm, think i think you have a good level of celebrity because like you i mean you two's not picking out their own melon you know what i mean that that's really an impossible right. thing for them to do no doubt it's so, a confusing form and i've yeah. talked to the, about this at length with somebody here in town that is a dear friend that meryl knows it's it's you're you're, you're really on to something when you say that because it's confusing because i'm friends with this guy chris cote who uh, he's an action sports commentator and just uh, he does uh, commentating. He does Vans Park series, these uh, surf events, and then he also does stuff with Encinitas Mag locally. And he worked for Trans World, and uh, you know, in the in the surf world, he's this huge personality. Right. Locally, people are like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> you know, Chris could be what. And but on the flip side, you know, down here. People know my name and but in this, you know, his community, I'm just some bullshit local, <laughs> you know, sure. DJ who right. he works in El Centro, whatever. He's just some. <laughs> pi- but my point is simply it's a very confusing thing because on a local level. Yeah, you you think you, you have people may put you in this form of celebrity, but at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> Like a lot of people in San Diego, we're living paycheck to paycheck. Sure. I think I think when you think celebrity, you also think affl- you know, you're living an affluent lifestyle yes. yeah. and you're making a shit ton of right. money. Right. Yeah. And you have this crazy amount of self confidence. You're not at like Toyota Carlsbad trying to like get yeah, a everyone just imagines co sign for a car <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah. Everyone who's famous is just Robert Downey Jr. where they never have to worry about another thing in the rest of their life and they're yes. just cool and calm and confident in all things and I have a total example. Total example where I was recently at a Memorial Day uh, parade and post party over in our neighborhood. And I live over here in Kensington on the on the south side of Adams, which is closer to City Heights. On the north side is a very nice, yeah, very nice, expensive part of very town expensive, yeah. where I used to live. And I lost a house there during the recession and yeah. always going back on the north side of Adams. You know, I was talking to a friend about it. He's like, what's it like? I'm like, remember that girl you really, really liked at one time? And then she broke up with you and broke your heart. <laughs> and imagine after that, just for years, just you got to watch her have sex with somebody. You know, <laughs> she the- just kept on getting skinnier. Her boobs kept on getting bigger. And, and just more and more sex with more and more dudes. That's what it's like going back into my neighborhood. It's like. <laughs> Seeing an ex-girlfriend and getting yeah. just kicked in the nuts. Yeah. yeah. And it's taken me a while, to be honest with you, since losing my house to get to a point where I could go and walk down there and not get butthurt. And yeah. I'm at that place now. That being said, later on in the evening, we go to this barbecue. And it was real interesting because, and I think if you're picking up anything here, why I might be at war with the radio thing, I'm sure is what you're vibing and I'm getting. It's really because people do treat me differently when I'm back on the radio. I was in the the same environments. The last two years I went to the same barbecue, right? Yeah. This year I went, everyone coming up to me, talking to me. And the thing is, it's so great to see you. How come you've never come before? I've been the last two years. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> the only thing that's different is I'm on the radio right, right. now. In so the you're, last you're two seen, years, you're actually like seen yeah. when you're on the radio. The, you know? And and not you're only popular th- again. And not yeah. only that, all oh, the billboards and all oh, this and all oh, this, and I'm like sitting there, and I'm like, wow, you know, you got these same people. I swear to you, and I'm not, I'm not throwing these people under. I swear to right. you, not, there's no hate here or anything. Yeah. These are the same people I've seen the last two, three years. Right. But this year, they were all in my shit. Right. And does it lift me up? No. I'm just being honest. It doesn't yeah. lift me up. It makes me just say, what's different? Just because I'm on the air, I'm the same friggin' guy. Right. So at the end of the day, I think that's where it kind of... Don't why- you think... Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry. I don't mean to cut no, you no, off. No, no, please, please. I was just going to say, don't you think that's what makes it so hard for celebrities... 
uh, to feel like they can trust the people around them because most of them are meeting people after they become celebrity. A lot of you'll see these people take people before they become celebrities with them, right? See, I Friends trust and, everybody, but yeah. I don't think I'm a celebrity either. Sure, and that's part of and, it. And, and I appreciate that. I just mean like, yeah. you can certainly see in a situation like yes. that to be like, okay, these guys didn't love me last year or the yeah. year before, didn't really like even acknowledge yeah. that I was here. But now I've got billboards all over San Diego, and they're like, oh, hey, it's so great that you came. But then it's you like, take it one step further, and then you want to be, you know, of course I'm going to be nice, and I want to engage and sure. know my neighbors. Sure. But then they start talking and then the dialogue <laughs> becomes, you know, uh, they were opening new restaurants. So I can't wait to open my second or third and we're adding on to the house. And, you know, we're happy in this house. But what we really want to be is down the road more on the canyon where they have more property. And, yeah, those houses are one point eight. But I think we're going to be able to get in there in a couple of years. And, you know, they're telling me this stuff yeah. and we rent. And, you sure, know, I'm thinking sure. to myself, shit, rent's due in a, in a day, and how are we going to make rent? <laughs> and that's what's going through my head at that particular moment. And that's where it starts being a mind fuck because it's like, do I compare myself to other people? No, it's a daily practice. I try not to. Yeah. But sometimes when it's being force-fed into your mouth, it's like, right. I think I especially know. when you have kids, and I don't have them, but, like, when you have kids, you're put in positions where – you are judging where you are compared to other parents and what their kids are doing. Is that hard to do? Like, because my business partner has, it's why I don't go out. I mean, it's why I I just, (laughs) but that's why, because Heather, even my wife, you know, like you just heard me going like, what goes through your head when you hear that Meryl? I'm curious. Um, What goes through my head is that in a truthful way, I feel like I still have, I still have a part of me where I seek to like, live in a neighborhood where this person just sold their screenplay and this person just like I think I definitely still have some of that I get that you know like and I I even think about that too I think about what am I talking about with people am I talking about like big things or little annoying things or and I think there's still a part of me that like um wants the status of being around people and conversations that are like big right and maybe I maybe that's a maybe I'll I'll, you know what I mean and I've been in those environments before and I always felt like such an imposter and fake Mm. that it's I'd never I totally get it and then I got there and I was like whoa nope but that's where the lesson is is like you can't I mean nobody can give that lesson because until you get there you're not going to get there right I just want to live in a neighborhood where people don't break into my car that's ultimately (laughs) where I want to live dude that's all of San Diego right now but (laughs) and in fairness too it's like I also check myself and make sure I'm not coming off as this old bitter get off my lawn guy trust me I'm really checking myself and going am I having this reaction because I'm not in a position where I could buy a a $1.8 million house or we are fighting for that rent payment. And I'm sure there is a little bit of that. I'd be lying to myself if there wasn't. But at the end of the day, when you've had it all and you've lost it all and you're in the process of just rebuilding and wanting to just coexist. And I used to define my life so much by my belongings and having a a house on the north side of Adams in Kensington and having a BMW for the wife, even though I didn't like BMWs. But <laughs> my point is that stuff did matter to me right. at the right. time. And yeah. I'd be lying to you if it, if I hadn't lost it all and been able to gain this, gain this, whatever this is. And I'm it's not so saying funny. it's the healthiest place at all times. We're all obviously on different, like adventures here but like i remember uh <laughs> adventures i love it well you know what i mean yeah. it's, like, it's true i remember yeah. getting out of my marriage and feeling like i had to get rid of everything and sort of like feeling like it was all essentially it was my recession you, you feel like I mean? wipe the slate clean yeah and it's like i realized like why do i have all these things filling up a space and yeah. I, got, I got rid of everything and i was like oh my god i'm way happier that was and it. i started to realize like i don't need any of that junk and of course i have nice things but like i don't have too many nice things i don't i'm not worried about like what kind of what, what's the next beamer i gotta trade this in gotta get the house gotta get it you know it's like you learn that lesson and it is a really liberating lesson and it you is. look at that guy no offense to anybody who's making no. buying a 1.8 million no, house good for them yeah yeah but it's like i almost look at that and go "Ooh, i don't know that i want all that stress all that pressure all that constant like chase right. well that you was know? the big thing when i was a homeowner i could tell you that that stress was Coming up with those property tax bills every couple, you know, $10,000 every year and this going. No, it used to stress the hell out of me, but 
It was also the craziest time of my life. One day I'll come back on and I'll tell stories about when I lost my house. I, like yeah. they're, 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 it's the craziest movies can be made. Really? I, I want to hear it. Well, I mean, you're a I fucking screenwriter, so we'll get you. to it. Yeah, we'll have it again. <laughs> I swear to you. Like me chasing people off my property with BB guns. Like with rocks, really, almost getting in fights in my front yard, like crazy stuff. I know you gotta go, but I feel like the energy is right. We should do a bug bite. What's that? Yuck! Bug bites. Yeah, I think the closest thing I can get to just in a tongue-in-cheek way would be a I hate Tesla drivers. (laughs) Oh, really? Yes, really. Yes, because well, no. Let me rephrase that. I don't like Tesla drivers who drive the ones that are really, really expensive. Like, I understand now regular people can get Teslas. Is right. that true? There's oh, a Tesla yeah. for 35000 Okay, yeah. you're all good. My, yeah. tr- my Toyota Tacoma is 35000 Exactly, 000. exactly. It's the people who drive the crazy... The $90,000 Tesla. That have, like, Tesla. pianos in them and stuff. Yes, the yeah. 185000 You're not an environmentalist. <laughs> That's all I Oh my got. gosh. See, I would in a second, if I had the money, I would be you buying would. like a Marriott hotel inside of my Tesla. <laughs> my thing, I just. Is it the car? Is it the driver? If it's, I don't know. I just don't know what it is. See, I kind of think that way about Beamer or Mercedes drivers. I'm like, it's okay, just a we get it. You have money. Yeah. And that's like, kind of how is, I is feel. This, is this car really like uh, the seven It's kind of how I feel about the Tesla thing, though. If you're really, if you want an electric vehicle, Get a friggin' leaf. They're like fifteen grand. Yeah, you know? it's like if you, you really feel like it's, if it's about the footprint, or if it's not about the footprint and you just want to show your dick, <laughs> yeah. then get a friggin' do the get a Hummer. You know, yeah, or, yeah. What a they Range did, Rover, the, he, the biggest, yeah, or there's you know a Lambo or whatever. I like but those it's just, yeah, Lambos are yeah. Yeah. Equally as obnoxious. Oh, but, so bad. And I don't mean I hate on the... Te- like. So I went into a Tesla store here in San Diego, and I was just like, oh, I'm just going to go check it out. And it was around Christmas time, and all the guys working inside, and they were all guys, right? They're like, oh, hey, we should do the reindeer program. Reindeer program? Hey, hey, Chad, you want to do the reindeer program? And it's like they're making this big spectacle of this reindeer program. And we're like, okay, what the... What the yeah, hold Stick around, guys. Stick around. This is going to be really cool. And... All of a sudden, the lights go down. <laughs> they hit some button, and then the car starts doing a Christmas like parade thing, oh, no. where the the doors open oh, and the lights God. are flashing. It's like <laughs> it's like uh, playing like uh, you like know. Frosty the Snowman yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, and it's like the the, the did doors a whole go Christmas show. Oh, that is what I'm looking for in a car, not reliability. I was like, wait, there's a program that somebody created to like. It's going to be code reindeer. It's like these guys were getting off on it. Yeah. And, and me and my girlfriend were just like, yeah, we're out of here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I'm putting down my credit card. I'll that's kind of like, that's who, that's who it's made for. These no. guys are like, yeah. yeah. Again, 35 grand, you're cool. Yeah. I just don't know if you need the $100,000 Tesla. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like a like a boasting move. Well, I hope you get that $100,000 Tesla. Vespa? Vespa. Vespa. I'll invest it in beach property. You're in Vesla. (laughs) Well, you're the best and we're happy you're here. Normally we want to talk to you for an hour more, but we have to, we have a conference call. You guys, you guys got to get to work. Do you promise you'll come on more? Of course. And I hope I didn't blow it and get too like serious or weird. This is why people will tune in for you. No, the only reason. Exactly. I hope I was all right. Shut the fuck up. Oh my God. That's so me. That's such a Cantori move. (laughs) That's such a Cantori move. (laughs) You're the best in the whole wide world. Thinking I blew it and I was, I don't know. I just want to say, I really liked Cantori times because it's like, you know, in that movie, uh, Lost in Translation, he's like Suntory Times. Suntory Times. Like, it's Cantori Times. I Make appreciate it. it. Yeah. We love you. I we'll really you appreciate it. You guys are rad. <laughs> Good. Oh. Pull it back. Pull it back, baby. I have so many questions for him still, including I want to hear about like uh, the time that he's laughed really hard on the radio. So we'll ask yeah. him that in a few months. I love that I went into this interview uh, wanting to know all the like wacky, crazy things that uh-huh. are happening on radio and then really getting into another layer where I, I, I'm leaving going like, I know Chris. Yeah. Like, I feel like I know him better. He's super cool, isn't he? So cool. So chill. And uh, 
really, I feel like I could crack open a beverage and sit at that barbecue and talk about my one point eight. Uh, no, but actually like sit and hang out and talk. And, and I just feel like he's super chill and I'm very excited about being part of the U network. So you could check out his, uh, I think it's like you on like, wait, let me check. All right. Make sure you know okay, it. I'm going to check. You should be five. more prepared than this. Oh my God. We're very excited to be part of the U network. That's Y E W. And you can check out, uh, Chris Cantori's, podcast as well as all of the other you network at youonline.com yeah so just y-e-w that's right y-e-w oh my gosh look he's updated with the latest episode wow oh that's well chris way to be on it you are on it chris and wow us having a title that we like together that no one steals from the other person that's right um i actually don't like that title but that's okay we'll get on that another time and until next time guys thanks for being here we love you Make sure you send us any of your questions, comments. Actually, don't we don't need your comments, but like just your questions and your full uh, admiration for w- everything that we do. Yeah, right? and don't feel a need to shave your legs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Brittany doesn't. None of us shave our legs. I I don't shave my legs. Let it hair out, people. Let it hair out. Yep. Bye. Just hair it out. <laughs> <laughs> Let it hair it out. <laughs> What does that even mean? Just let it hair out. Just let it hair out. Yep. Just hair it out. Herring is caring. Herring is caring. Welcome to America. <laughs> this is America. <laughs> Bye. This episode of Campfire Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was composed and sang by your friendly camp director, me, PB and J. If you've got a question or you want to be the next camper of the week, email us at campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Merrill on Instagram at Campfire Shit Show, and please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, kids, it's time to pack up the camp and put out the fire. But don't you worry. We'll see you soon on another episode of the Campfire Shit Show. Good night, kids. Sleep tight.